Blog Talk Radio. Did you know in Canada we have no fair catch rule? No fair catch? No fair catch. Holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, hopefully there's aspirin on the side with the medics. Somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> no fair catch? Injuries? I see some pain. Ah, uh, that could be kind of dangerous. I believe somebody get killed like that. <laughs> you guys like it violent up there, huh? <laughs> CFL. We play by our own rules. Why do you think it takes you guys four downs to get ten yards? We only need three up there. Because we always make mistakes. Oh, uh, we're just kind of slow, you know, laid back. Got to get an extra down in before we can get our ten yards. You know, they give us one just in case. I love four downs. Uh, first down, second down, third down, you know, fourth down. They're saying you're better than us. They want the game to go slower, I guess, for the commercials. Y'all are obviously better. Must be the long winters, maybe. They have longer legs. Are they faster? Is there, you know, better gene pool? In the CFL, the play clock is 20 seconds rather than 40. 20 second play clock. Quicker, quicker tempo. Well, they better be a lot smarter men on the field then. Yeah, man, the respiratory system needs to be in good shape. That's pretty quick. That doesn't sound very fair. It doesn't give them enough time. They barely have time to do it here. God forbid there's a different defense. Oh, boy, that's fast. I mean, you got to get yeah. it done. I'll say 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I get them an extra 10 seconds. <laughs> 20 seconds, you know. That, would, seconds. that would keep things moving and moving. grooving. You know, in the Canadian Football League, we have 12 guys instead of 11. What do you think? An extra man out there? Of course. They all look good in their pants. <laughs> Ooh. Can I take him home? I think you can ha never have too many men in tight pants on a football field. And we have unlimited motion in our backfield. Wow. Wow. You know? <laughs> a whole new realm of possibilities, huh? And, and they're ready to go again in 20 seconds. Where is this again? That's interesting. I may have to rest up a little. <laughs> CFL, i got to watch it. Go Canada. Yep. Uh, go Canada. And, of course, uh, it's the Canadian Football League. I guess the most important, I guess, change that's taken place in the off season is really not one thing. There are many things that have happened in this off season that are very important and have created uh, some, well, for some interest, uh, for some, eh, what's going on? And for others, oh, no, we're not really going to do that, are we? Yes, uh, the international world has come to the Canadian Football League, and uh, I guess uh, Randy Ambrosi 2.0 uh, is underway. And, and if you've listened to some coaches, they've been very impressed with the players, uh, obviously, um, like really to the same, not to the same degree, I was going to say the same degree, but not to the same degree. These players coming from outside of the U.S. and Canada coming from places like Germany, Mexico, etc. Uh, they do play football there. You know, much like maybe Americans are rel relatively unaware of the Canadian Football League. Relatively. We are relatively unaware of football being played in the nether regions of the world. Uh, places where we don't think that football will be played like in belarus like in mexico now we know in italy in germany in britain um in real far-flung places in fact uh, they even play in pakistan i know you'll find that hard to believe and we've even had some fans who listen into the show from pakistan to hear about the canadian football league 
I could say it's because they prefer the Canadian Football League like the rest of us, but it really isn't that. It's it's because they're former Canadians and they picked up the game here in Canada and they've taken the love for the game in Pakistan and in India for that matter. So, yeah, sometimes when I see uh, the numbers come from those places, I get a little amazed and, and, and not for any other reason other than it is far flung, uh, you know, from where we were accustomed to seeing the roots of football. Now, we have found out that players have been drafted. They're showing up at camp now, and, and they are impressing, if not with their ability, knowledge of the game, their desire and willingness to work hard, which in football, definitively speaking, without it, you're going nowhere. And, uh, you know, there's a show on uh, CFL.ca with one of my, uh, Brody Lawson, one of my favorite people one of my favorite tall people, and it's called The Grind. And that's what the Canadian Football League, football in general, that's what it's about. It's about the grind. And the reason it's such a grind, there are a lot of players. In fact, right now, imagine this. On every field, in every training cab, there's upwards of 100 players. That's right, 100. And just think, I when I go to camp, and I haven't had much chance to go to camp this year, and I, I feel really bad about that, but it is what it is. But when I do go, it always amazes me to look at that many hungry men who probably don't fit in a normal-sized bed are a challenge for every organization across this country. Yeah. Imagine the food bill. Just think about that, folks. For those of you, I had four children. So the food bill was, eh, they're all girls. So, you know, they didn't, I shouldn't say they didn't. Well, you know, I don't want to sound sexist. Now. The, the dinner table, the lunch table, the breakfast table, the snack table, it's deep almost as deep as the rosters. So can you imagine uh, what kind of organization there has to be for that kind of situation where you have 100 hungry young men? Some younger than others. Some hungrier than others. And of course, the big reason why they're there, to establish which ones are more talented and use that talent to the best of their ability, we go back to the grind, and are most ready to take the primary reps, the A reps, the first reps, to be the players that get that chance in a short, 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 short time. Um, two weeks. You get two weeks to establish that you belong. Or at least you can prove you you can belong. We have seen year in, year out, we've seen players that have turned heads during training camp. And somehow it didn't translate into the season. And then, of course, we've also seen the players that do turn heads in the preseason and continue to turn heads in the regular season. Just as we see players we don't know where the heck they came from. Was this guy at camp? Was he drafted? 
Did we know that he had a shot to make the team? Where did he come from? Boy, that GM is brilliant. And just for the sake of starting things quickly, hats off to every year the Calgary Stampeders, the Great Cup champions, who seem to have an endless trove of talented players that seem plugged in and ready to go. Well, for them to be plugged in and ready to go, it begins, or I should say it began last week. That is when it all starts where the players who may or may not make this team down the road, obviously there'll be teams that make it for the first game of the season. But that's obvious, right? We're going to find out the players that actually can play for the team by virtue of how they establish themselves either last year and continue whatever trend that was positive for them the previous year and make it positive for them again this year. We get to establish in our minds, and of course because of the GMs and the coaches and such, we get to establish who they are. But I like watching for those players that haven't made it to the starting roster and wonder And wonder of wonders, which ones become those players that you go, you scratch your head. Don't scratch too hard like me. I mean, the hair tends to fall out when I scratch too hard. We find players who all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they drop from the sky. It's a cloudy day. It's raining football players. Yeah, well, it isn't that easy. But it seems to for some teams, and this is when you get to establish maybe not the opportunity, and this is where the grind comes in again. You may not make it that first game. You may not make it that second game. Heck, you might not even make it that third game. But baby, as long as you make it before the long weekend in September, the best part of the season that we're all getting all wound up about, Because really, that's what it's all about, isn't it? This part of the season, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's back. Let's go, let's go. When's it on? Who's playing? What station is on? Oh, we know what station it's on. It's on TSN. And we get all excited because guess what? It's football season again. And, you know, I'm taking it very, very slow. i got to tell you why. Because I find, or at least found in the past couple of years, I've gotten too excited with the preseason. I've gotten too excited with training camp. And because I'm so old, I don't have the energy to go full tilt boogie from the preseason to the Grey Cup. That's the pace myself. I want to, just like when I go out to dinner, you don't have to order everything that's on the menu. But what you can do is whatever you order, enjoy it. So that's my wish for all of you CFL fans who are listening here tonight and the players as well, to whom I consider many friends, whom I admire for their hard work, and I'm grateful for their attitude towards us, the fans, or I as a fan caster. Now, it is becoming more and more difficult for me to be a fan, simply because for some dumb reason, got to be dumb. It's got to be. There's no other way to explain it. For some dumb reason, I've developed the privilege 
of having the respect of the Canadian Football League as a league and many of the teams that are out there. And, of course, many of the people out there who love the game and love to talk football. I've had the privilege of being honored by them accepting me as someone who considers themselves loving the game enough and is willing to understand it, be a part of it, promote it, and enjoy it, just like everybody else. So what happens is for me, which I'll share with you right now, and i got to check here what's going on. Ah, Mike's not here yet. I might be doing this alone, folks. It might be alone that I'm doing this. I'm looking forward, as I said uh, on, uh, on the post, Adam Goss has been selected as the voice at BMO Field for the Toronto Argonaut Games. Can't think of a better person to get that, get that job. He's done it before, and he's going to do it again. And trust me, he's going to be great at it. And uh, for those of you that don't know, very deep into the Canadian Football League, very deep into the Toronto Argonauts, his interest, um, he's an Argo lifer who isn't an official Argo lifer. And uh, when I say that, of course, everyone who knows me and knows our group, the Argo lifers, we love our Canadian Football League team, the Toronto Argonauts. And we love to support our team. It's been really tough over the past couple of years. And then it's been really great. You know, for those of us in Toronto, I'll start with that team. The hope and uh, aspiration of Toronto Argonaut fans is that their team bounces back to the kind of season they had two years ago when they won the Grey Cup. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, there's always a hope in that. Not because I'm a rose-colored glasses Toronto Argonaut supporter and CFL supporter. I know that ticks off some of my Argo friends. But I am a CFL supporter as well. And uh, we, here in Toronto, did not have that great a year last year. In fact, it was so not great, it led to a first overall pick. Which, by the way, um, Andrew Teodoro, thanks to him, I've got a bruise, probably a lifetime bruise. He was so excited at the draft. So, 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 so excited at the draft. And he deserved to be. And one of the reasons was we drafted a quarterback before we were done on that first night. And do you know the Argos have four Canadian quarterbacks in camp? Four Canadian quarterbacks in camp. There are some whispers that possibly the Canadian quarterback will not be a, uh, you know, a neutral player on the count when it comes to Canadians and Americans or imports, non imports. A Canadian may become a Canadian, even if he's a quarterback. So I don't know if Pop knows something. Maybe he does. So as far as the Argos are concerned, Jim Pop uh, and uh, has brought back a coach that he had during their Grey Cup winning season two years ago, Corey Chamberlain, uh, a guy that is well-respected by his players, a guy who, who, really, who really does uh, fit the moniker, the name tag, players coach. Now, some may suggest and think and believe that a player's coach means it's the tail wagging the dog. Well, you know what? It is something that does happen. But in this case, I'm sure it doesn't. 
Uh, yeah, Zach Medeiros, who's actually trying out kicking for the Argos, is going to be on a little later. He's just on, boys, if you need me, I can come on a bit later. Just let me know. So let, let's throw out a big Facebook messenger. Thumbs up for that. Yeah, there you go. So Zach Medeiros is uh, a very interesting chap. Uh, loves to talk football and loves to talk sports and thinks of himself as a an appropriately erudite commentator. Erudite is what I used to be called when I was my first days 25 years ago, almost no more than that, 30 years ago at Rogers when Rogers didn't have a sports network. We were the sports network, network Steve Spice, uh, Dave Bailey's out there, Bruce Lewis is out there. Uh, we uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. And I thought erudite meant big mouth. Well, sure enough, I was right. Or has a lot to say. Or won't shut up. Or doesn't say much important stuff, but does say a lot. So, yeah, erudite. And that doesn't, uh, Zach, uh, I didn't mean you in that. I was poking fun of myself, not at yourself. So, yeah, so uh, Zach Medeiros, kicker for the Toronto Argonauts, he considers himself... As we had a conversation in Messenger, he said, I'm special. I said, aw, you're special, Zach? What does special mean? And he proceeded to explain it to me like he needed to. Uh, special teams, Frank. Oh, okay, I got it. So, yeah. So he'll be trying out for the Toronto Argonauts. He'll be on this program as well. Hopefully Mike Townsend will work his way into here. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe he will. Maybe he won't. And uh, Aaron uh, Russell McKenzie Nagy has uh, suggested that he might show up as well. So until then, I will carry the torch uh, for CFL Talk. And as always, it's candid. It's frank. And it's live. And I hope you enjoy this season. I know I am going to do my best to enjoy this season. And what better way to... um, Start the season with one of my favorite tunes from one of my favorite groups. I'll leave you to figure out who it is. We'll be back right after this. We'll talk more. Canadian Football League. We're done with the Argos. Let's move in a different direction.
help lay claim to it. It's been celebrated by the common man and the uncommon man. It's been through wars, literally. It's been paraded, helicoptered, horseback, broken, held for rest, and recovered. It's reduced 300-pound men to tears. It's seen the 13th man defeated. But more often, triumphant. It's lived in Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, Toronto, Edmonton, Regina, Hamilton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, and once visited Baltimore. It divides east and west and unites us at the same time. Look closely into its silver cladding. It reflects the values of a nation, diversity, compassion, humor, respect, courage, tradition, tolerance. It reflects Lancaster and Gabriel, Kroll and Kathleen, Calvillo, Flutie, Moon, and Simon. But more than the few who have raised it, it reflects the millions of us who've embraced it. As it should. It does reflect us all, and it does reflect on us beautifully. Uh, always, it doesn't matter where you go, whether it's the Canadian Football League team, teams in the East or teams in the West, uh, all the players are well-respected and appreciated by the fans, and the reputation that the Canadian Football League players have with the fans has always been stellar. It's always been perfect. And it's always been appreciated, not just from the fans to the players, but from the players to the fans as well. And I can attest to both directions in that regard. And, uh, yeah, so uh, speaking of appreciation and uh, teams that really drive the pride of their community, I'm having trouble here deciding which team to talk about next because so many fit that description. I'll tell you what. What we'll do is we'll go to the Ottawa Red Blacks, and I'll give you my opinion without looking at the training camp rosters, without really looking at the players that have come in, more or less looking at the trying to look at a cursory view of the Ottawa Red Blacks from the perspective, as I did with the Toronto Argonauts, where their fans probably sit thinking about their team, and, uh, you know, 
as far as training camps concerned, they really don't know. So what can the Ottawa Red Black fans feel? And here's my definition and or description of the Ottawa Red Blacks fans and how they feel. <laughs> Where Trevor Harris go? Why is he here? He's gone. Trevor's gone. I don't understand. This is not right. Well, I don't know if they're taking it that bad, but I think that would be the biggest, biggest negative in the offseason that uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks have to overcome, and that is the absence of Trevor Harris, who brought his show west to the Edmonton Eskimos. Sir Vincent Rogers went there as well, but he might be out for the season, but word is he'll be back if he has anything to say about it. And if you know Sir Vincent Rogers, uh, and by the way, sent me a football one time, I really appreciate it, he uh, will accomplish uh, what is and was suggested. So for those of you that enjoy and, 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 and love the Canadian Football League's Ottawa Red Blacks, a team that has really been very successful over the short haul, uh, have been blessed with uh, great decisions on coaches that they've snafu'd from other organizations. The Argos in particular have had a lot of good coaches. A brain drain has gone in the Ottawa direction, and Ottawa's had a reputation and for those of you that are Ottawa friends, you'll, you'll know this better than most. And, and that is that they love to weaken the opposition by taking players from the other teams of more relevance to them and also the coaches. And uh, they have done a masterful job over the years. But this year, it might be a little more difficult just because at quarterback, you tell me who they're going to have as their starter. There's possibilities, but I got to tell you, they're not going to be caught unaware of what they need. I promise you this, their quarterback for this season is in camp right now, and he will be a pretty darn good quarterback. Do I say that because I can name somebody in particular? Don't have to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Ottawa Red Black fans know that their organization is organized. They know that their organization is always prepared. They know their organization does a great job of competing year in, year out. And they've done that since their inception, or at least the new Ottawa team, which is the Red Blacks. And I think the biggest thing that the Red Blacks have to overcome, even more than their quarterback, is that receiving. That's where they're going to have to make some improvements. They're going to pull some rabbits out of their hats uh, in regards to that because uh, receivers and quarterbacks, they feed on each other, they help each other, they contribute to each other's success. For me, that's the number one weakness that the Ottawa Red Blacks need to work on. And, of course, their offensive line um, might need some work. Sir Vincent Rogers, uh, a pretty big hole to fill. But... You never know, right? You never know. You can't doubt the Ottawa Red Blacks. So for those of you in Ottawa, I think you've got pretty much, uh, you're in there. As I hope the Argos are in there. And as we can go now to my other friends, the other, the other, the other park I like to go to, and that is, of course, Tim Hortons Field, where the Hamilton Tiger Cats play. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have a new coach 
who was with them, left, came back, and was understudied. Steinauer is one heck of a brain when it comes to the game of football. He will have an impact on that team. They have a quarterback. (laughs) MVP material, right? They've got Brandon Banks, a game changer all by his lonesome. And they've got a pretty good defense. They really do. And I look forward to some real great battles between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Toronto Argonauts. They're always fun to be a part of. They're always fun to watch. And most of all, they're one heck of an experience in Hamilton when you go to a game. And I'm sure for the Hamilton fans when they come to Toronto by the busloads. And uh, the team always appreciates your presence. Taking up some empty seats, always a good thing as far as our organization is concerned over here in Toronto. So, yeah, Hamilton. Um, it really is going to be one of those seasons. At this point, folks, they have to be the favorite in the Eastern Division. There's, I don't think there's any doubt in that. Just basically, again, I repeat, not sitting here making calculations about the guys that are in camp, the guys that have left camp. I'm just making a general statement based on where the team finished last year and how damaged they were in the offseason. And recovery, of course, is important. And bringing in new players, new blood, that's part of the formula for every team. That, that isn't something specific to any individual squad. It's, it's the same for everybody. So for Hamilton, as far as I'm concerned, they uh, need, um, I think, to, to be clear, what they need is an opportunity to be together like they've been the past year. They need to hope that their quarterback doesn't get figured out. They have to hope their offensive line does the kind of work their quarterback needs them to do. And last year, that quarterback was supposed to be, or at least a competitor for that, was Johnny Manziel, went to Montreal. He has since left Montreal as well. He's gone. He's a He's an old story. See you later. But the Hamilton Tiger Cats benefited greatly by sending him to Montreal. And it did kind of set back Montreal a little bit, but really only temporarily because in the Canadian Football League, unlike any other league and or sport, rebuilding is, I, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't and, I, and I don't want to say easy, but I will say easy-ish or easier-ish as far as uh, rebuilding teams and making them competitive overnight. There are just so many football players. There are so many re-signings. The cap ensures that people, teams cannot hoard players. So there are multiple organizations that lose players they would have preferred not to lose. And then the other teams are going, oh, great, we can get this guy. You know, because everybody has the same amount of money to spend on the same amount of players for the same amount of games in the same season with everyone else. So Hamilton, I I, I picked them ahead. And then finally, uh, our last team, uh, the Montreal Alouettes. Here's a team who last year established at the very end of the season that they, in fact, were an up-and-coming squad. I don't think there was a team 
Mm, Frank, think about it. Careful. Careful. You're going to step on a fact here, and it's going to hurt because you're going to trip over this fact. I was rolling towards saying there was no other team that improved as much as the Montreal Alouettes. Wrong, come No. BC Lions, they improved more than the Montreal Alouettes. But the Alouettes did improve a heck of a lot, more than any other team other than the BC Lions, who we'll talk about later. So the Montreal Alouettes, there has been, and, and there will be a lot of questions in regards to who will be their quarterback. Do I have to tell you who their quarterback's going to be? This is a test. There'll be questions after the show. Yes, their youngish quarterback is going to be a star in this league. If you don't know who I'm talking about, get onto your computer or your telephone and go under cfl.ca. Go under cfl.ca. And then what you do is you pull down the Montreal Alouettes. You pull that down and you have a look. And you'll have to do it, and you'll have a choice. The good news is, with the Montreal Alouettes, you can do it in French, or you can do it in English. It's up to you. And as far as anyone's concerned, does anyone doubt, even for a second, one tiny little second, that Antonio Pipkin is not going to be a star in this league? He tore the Toronto Argonauts into shreds last year. Shreds! And he did it in an old-fashioned, kick-your-behind, CFL quarterback style. Yep. He did use his kicks. Let me tell you, that kid is amazing. And anyone who couldn't see and doesn't see the fact that the reason why Johnny Manziel is not in the Canadian Football League, regardless of the expensive exchange in assets that took place between Montreal and Hamilton, and as I said earlier, Hamilton benefited greatly from the assets they took from Montreal, it really doesn't matter because young Mr. Pipkin proves my point that you really don't have to worry about making up for players that you lose, making up for players that don't work out, making up for players that you didn't draft, making up for players that didn't come highly touted. The fact is Antonio Pipkin will be the most improved and newly crowned great franchise quarterback in the Canadian Football League this year. That is an easy, you know, Frank, that's just, I'm picking, I'm picking cherries, man. Well, you know, it, it's, it's now, it, it's way low hanging fruit, baby. That's what that is. That's just low hanging fruit. Antonio Pipkin will be one of the newest stars in the Canadian football league. And uh, no one, I mean, no one uh, will be surprised if they followed the Canadian football league uh, at all. Uh, this kid is amazing the master of being a quarterback. Uh, He has the feet that defy defenses. 
And boy, the kid can run like the moon. And, and, and what an arm. A really good arm. He's fast, he's quick, and he's got a great arm. And his leadership skills, I don't think are next to anyone. This kid's going to be a good one. Montreal fans have a lot of fun to look forward to watching this quarterback do what he does. And if Montreal can capture their reputation as a football team over the past few decades, which is, even though Noel isn't there anymore, great defense. This is a team, again, where the the Canadian Football League's East Division is going to be nip and tuck. And baby, if you get on a roll... It might not even matter because there might be another team on a roll in this division. Of course, uh, last year, um, two teams in the Eastern Division did not make the playoffs, uh, while four did in the in the Western Division, taking up one of the Eastern playoff positions. So we can look forward to that or not. As we transcend, we move from the East to the West, Will it happen again, I guess, is the first question. It's likely. Not for sure. It's not definite. As far as I'm concerned, I I think that's up for debate. Mainly because I think for the first time in a long time, the Canadian Football League's East Division may not have three teams under 500. I really think that there might be a second team that plays 500 football. I think we might have two teams that will carry their own. And, of course, we've known through the years it hasn't really mattered that a team is, uh, you know, (laughs) it doesn't matter if a team is below 500 to win the Grey Cup in the Canadian Football League. It it happens, and it happens repeatedly. So it really doesn't matter if uh, more than one team in the, in the Eastern, Eastern Division of the Canadian Football League doesn't have a 500 record. They could still win the Grey Cup. Now, to the dismay and the dislike, and I think it's a fair negative attitude towards the playoffs in the Canadian Football League. I'm sure there are a lot of Eastern teams and a lot of Eastern fan, um, Eastern fans that may not admit it out loud, but are very grateful that their teams are in the Eastern Division because when we move over now to the Western Division, where in past few years, the big dogs roamed. And one of the reasons why the big dogs roam, quite frankly, is because we have a a few organizations there that understand the division they're in, understand the dire need to play well, understand how important it is to not just win half the time they literally have to win more than half the time to get a decent opportunity at the great cup so what we've got many are are looking at the western division as a division that again will provide uh, the third playoff slot in the eastern division which team will it be Which team will be left out in the Canadian Football League's Western Division? Last year, it was Edmonton. If you can imagine that, they were also the home of the Grey Cup. 
didn't even make the playoffs. How happy are they about that? Not very. Well, so unhappy, they lost Riley, who went to BC. They picked up Harris, who came from Ottawa. So let's talk about Edmonton, the team that didn't make the playoffs last year. And this is a team that inexplicably, the, the biggest the biggest thing that they have to overcome, the biggest thing, the biggest change they need to make to me is direction from the management side of the team. You can infer from what I'm saying, coach, GM, and you're welcome to. Because quite frankly, quite frankly, that's where their problems lie management decisions that weren't the best, whether it be in the GM's office, whether it be the head coach. Of course, you know, the standard excuses apply, injuries, but we know in the Canadian Football League, there are a lot of teams that suffer many an injury and continue rolling along. Edmonton didn't do that last year. Edmonton was very inconsistent. Edmonton had the MOP. Mike Riley, the best quarterback over the past few years, nip and tuck with Bo Levi Mitchell. So how is it a team with one of the best quarterbacks, no worse than the second best quarterback in the Canadian Football League, how is it they don't make the playoffs? This is probably what the Edmonton fans were asking. How do we not make the playoffs when we have Mike Riley? I mean, people tell us all the time, We're told all the time. We hear it from various voices. It doesn't necessarily have to be from a single individual voice. It comes from many voices. Canadian Football League is a quarterback-driven league. For you to win, you need a great quarterback. Heck, no one said that you needed a great quarterback to make the playoffs. Good gracious. That's a given, right? You have a great quarterback, you're in the playoffs. There shouldn't be any question about it. And that is the reason why I suggest that the problem with the Edmonton Eskimos was at the top or near the top more than it was anywhere else. And one has to wonder at all, and I I do wonder about this as well, and, and I think Edmonton fans figured this out on their own, Many of them, and I suspect a large majority of them, you know, the Ricky Ray situation comes to mind where a great quarterback goes to another city, wins a couple of great cups, and they find themselves needing a great quarterback. They do make a trade with PC, end up with Mike Riley, win a great cup with Mike Riley. And now another great quarterback uh, that was in Edmonton, won a great cup in Edmonton, hopped on a plane, was asked, aisle or window seat, don't know what he chose, but he sure did get on that airplane and he headed home, if you will. Edmonton didn't lose him because he didn't want to play in Edmonton. The Edmonton Eskimos lost Mike Riley because he wanted to play in B.C., which is a stone's throw from home. Can you blame anyone? 
We don't blame the Canadian players who do that year in, year out. You know, I've had these debates with people who say, the Canadian draft, you got to draft well, you got to draft good, you got to get the best players. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Not because the Canadian players don't make an impact on the Canadian football league. They, in fact, do. But the other, the upside or the other side or the yin to the yang of the draft is the mobility of Canadian players through the Canadian Football League. First-round draft picks. Two, three years on to another team. First overall, we've seen that numerous times. Jose de St. John comes to mind. There are a lot of players that are Canadian, and, uh, you know, as I said, Riley went to BC to be closer to home. And Canadian Football League players have that opportunity that they can go home. Now, when you're drafted, you automatically make a pretty good penny. Your salary's pretty much not guaranteed, but if you're a first round pick, there is a pigeonhole for you financially. And so what happens is you get paid that amount of money, and then your team in those first couple of years decides, is he worth that amount of money? And that's one of the reasons why you'll see players move. Teams decide they can get a guy that does what he does for a lot less, which is the name of the game in the Canadian Football League if you're a GM. Now, if you're a coach, not so much. But the coach has to respect the fact that the general manager has to meet the cap and not go over it or be fined. So, yeah, Edmonton lost Mike Riley to BC, and I guess that's a good segue to go to BC. This is the team that, remember, I was going about Montreal, most improved. Wait, no, 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 wait, wait, no, no, not Montreal. BC, the most improved team from the beginning of the season. They went from doormat to contender. And it wasn't just like an overnight type thing. It was a march that they went on, an incredible role, one that surprised the fans, amazed them, in fact. And then what happens? Holy moly. Then what happens? They're rolling the dice left and right. Players leaving, new regime, new set of players got guys coming in that were great elsewhere and all of a sudden hope is starting to go this is awesome and they have gotten better and younger now will they pick up where they left off at the end of the season the big question is that quarterback very big question how good will Riley be is what happened in Edmonton on Riley? I don't think so. I think he's the same quarterback we all think he is. He's still that MOP quarterback. Him and Travis Lule were good friends when he was there. They get to reunite themselves. And I think this team, some suggest that it could be really good in BC or really bad. I'm going on the 
premonition that it's going to be really good in BC. And not just because of Riley, but that is a team that has proven this past season that just took place, that adversity does not hold them down. Remember how I was saying about Edmonton having some problems? Maybe it's management. But it's not management because they don't know what they're doing. And it's not management in BC because they know what they're doing. It's because of the chemistry within that locker room. BC over the past year, few years has had a great chemistry in that locker room. They've had a, a wonderful group of guys that know how to pull together. They are, sorry, use an Argo term. Or should I say they have a lion's pride? Is that like a group? Yeah, it is. And that is what makes that team strong. And add Riley into that, and it's kind of hard to not imagine that team being very successful. And of course, that success will depend a lot on Mike Riley. They've made a lot of changes at receiver. Will Riley have the kind of guys that will help make him look as good as he deserves to be? It's a good question. I'm hoping because I'd like to see the Lions do well. They're a franchise as much as many talk about the Toronto Argonauts and they got to be a lot better with the league can't afford to have a lousy Argonaut team. And, and even it's said about Montreal, Montreal, you know, fan interest in those two big cities. The same is true in BC. The interest in British Columbia in the Canadian football league has been fading a little bit the past couple of years. Yes. It coincides with the way the team has played. Yes. And Football fans have turned their desirous eye towards the south, around Riley Town, up there in Seattle. They're loving that CFL team, yes, but they're also loving that NFL team. And uh, it's important that the, the Canadian Football League has a good team there to establish home ground. And I think this is a team that could do that. I think it could help raise the interest of the Canadian Football League to a level in British Columbia that we are accustomed to and one that we hope is the case. You know, in the context of the Western Division, the British Columbia Alliance are a concern at the gate and interest in their community by virtue of where they are in the Western Division where heightened interest is the norm. Whereas in the East, you know, BC would be kind of not bad in the East, but in the West, it becomes more obvious that they're in need of improving more than, than other teams. We go to Winnipeg and I love Winnipeg. Not only as a city, not only as a team, as an organization, the coaching staff and the intestinal fortitude of the fans of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Big Blue has a lot of loyal fans who have, rightfully so, been disappointed, been not impressed with the organization. The organization has, in the fans' mind, 
disappointed them? Not for a complete season, but it seems they seem to trip and fall towards the end of the season, even though they looked at it for a time like they were a bona fide contender. Well, guess what? This year is going to be another year like every other year. And that is they will, for a time, be a contender. But as it is in the Canadian Football League, you don't have to be a contender all year. You only have to be a contender for three weeks in a year. Division final. Sorry. Division semifinal, division final, Grey Cup. That's what you work towards. And that's where the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have failed. They have failed at the end. They have failed when they've gotten some steamrolling and they've been really going really well. And they've just fallen at the finish line. Many hope in Winnipeg. I, for one, uh, have that same hope for them as a football fan, as a CFL fan. My neutral hat, wearing my neutral hat. They're a team I hope are successful this year. Um, they and Hamilton are the two cities where the fans have been very loyal Two new football stadiums two new sets of players that give the locals a hope Winnipeg how they finish can their quarterback can their quarterback do what he's capable of doing each and every year during most of the season. Can he? Does he? Will he have the ability to carry the mail for this team this season? If he doesn't, there's an understudy that already the fans are thinking about. I tell you right now, your Nichols, you know, Strebler's on the tips of the Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans' tongues. Absolutely. Now, this team has the best hand in the quarterback in the league. It did pretty much last year, too. It just didn't play out for them in the playoffs. And that's what Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans are looking for. They're looking for an opportunity in the belief that they have finally the team that can bring that silver mug home, that gray cup that they've been waiting for. Decades, folks. Decades waiting for. They've lost a couple of players, key players, but they're a team that could afford to lose a few key players. In fact, on defense, they lost a couple of key players. But it really doesn't matter. Because for the most part, the team that they have today, and don't be surprised, they'll be making a couple of moves, just like they did last year, under the wire. There'll be a couple of moves made. And Winnipeg fans will, this is the year. Maybe this is the year. I hope for their sake it it does work out into being that the year for them. As I said, my neutral hat says 
great idea. It's an awesome opportunity for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year. We have discussed the Eastern Division, if you've just joined us. To review very quickly, Toronto new coaching staff, new hopes. Franklin getting an opportunity that he didn't get last year. Didn't mention that part, but there it is. Hamilton has the team to beat in the Eastern Division. Ottawa's hoping to find a quarterback. The Alouettes have a quarterback, hoping to have the kind of defense they've had over the years. And folks, that'll be a heck of a division and a heck of a battle. In the Western Division, if you've just joined us, we have talked about Edmonton. Was management the issue? Can Harris carry the mail? Can he make a difference in Edmonton? Can Strebler and Nichols carry the mail for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Can they be consistent enough at the end of the season as they have been during the season at times? BC Lions, terrible start last year, incredible finish. Best team improvement last year, just ahead of the Montreal Alouettes. That leaves us with two teams. To my friends in Saskatchewan, I don't have a clue about your team. I really don't. I mean, I I don't even know what to say about Saskatchewan. Can their quarterback do it? Does their quarterback have it? Is he the guy that can do it? We loved him here in Toronto. They loved him in Hamilton. But can he do it in Saskatchewan? Can his injuries be overcome? Or more importantly, does the team have the player under center hiding in the weeds, waiting to be discovered rather than Zach Caleros. I know there's a guy there that I have a lot of faith in and I believe in deeply and who I'm, whom I've liked since he was in Montreal. And he has been almost to every other team. And his name's Cody Fajardo. I have a lot of faith in that guy. He has just not had the chance to show what he could do over a prolonged period. He has been cheated by injuries. He has not gotten, not had a real opportunity to show that he's a starter. But I got to tell you, he has it in him. And Zach Caleros, if his health holds up, is a franchise quarterback. Does anybody doubt it? I mean, really, does anybody doubt that if healthy, if healthy, Zach Caleros is a number one quarterback? Top four, top five in the Canadian Football League? Or does somebody out from left field like a David Watford all of a sudden do it for them? This is a team that lost their general manager. At a real inopportune moment, some suggest that Chris Jones hung on long enough to get his friends on the staff signed. 
Is there truth to that? Some people would suggest he's that kind of guy that would do something that... love. I love him. Jerky. But I choose to prefer... I prefer to say, and I choose to think... Come in. <laughs> wakey, wakey time. Um... I choose I choose to believe that uh, what Chris Jones was in this case when he was loyal to the guys that he brought in. I choose to believe that he didn't do it on purpose. He didn't do it to hurt Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but he did as the cards began to fall. Dominoes began to knock into each other and flatten out. He saw an opportunity to get his guys on the way outdoor contracts, which I think is a possibility as well. Some in Saskatchewan think that's the case. But that's the kind of loyalty that he has for the people that he brings in. But, you know, he has an obligation to look after himself. And, you know, he can go to the NFL and take on a – be a small player – play a small part in a management organization and almost make the kind of money he was making in Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan was not, was not underpaying him. So that's something to think about in Saskatchewan. Can this management team, coaching staff, under the situation and circumstances that every team finds themselves in, but was the toughest in Saskatchewan, and that is the cap on coaches and management. Really tough situation for them. You know, they were already at the cap, and they had to figure out a way to hire a couple of key positions of which, you know, Jones was making money based on a few positions, and he had to be. And... You know, his salary gets carved up because there's like three jobs, three, four jobs. I mean, was he dishwasher too, for goodness sake? You know, that money had to go to various coaches. Filling in roles that he had multiple of. That's the biggest challenge for Saskatchewan. We've mentioned the most important challenges that Saskatchewan has, and that is a quarterback. That is a healthy quarterback. That is a team in flux, new organization, new ideas. Can they fall in line to the point where those good ideas, if they are good, are acted on? Execution becomes more difficult under the circumstances that their management team was hired. Execution is the name of the game in football. The name of the game everywhere. So, We'll see. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and finally, the Grey Cup champs. The Grey Cup champs are the Calgary Stampeders. Is this a team that will repeat? 
why not? They have the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. It's only one thing. Calgary, once again, has questions at the offensive line. Keeping Bo Levi Mitchell upright and clean helps Bo Levi Mitchell be the kind of quarterback we're accustomed to seeing. Offensive line that doesn't give him consistent amount of time, even though he has the quickest release from his center of any quarterback in the Canadian Football League, meaning he needs the least amount of time to throw the ball. He makes decisions that quickly. His mechanics are that good that he's, be, he's able to deliver the ball quickly and accurately. And his strongest, strongest, in my opinion, characteristic ability, inspire confidence in his receivers. Give his receivers a simple task. And I love it. I love it. It's a real simple task. Run down the field as fast as you can. I will get you the ball. Straight down. And as long as they provide fleet of foot uh, receivers in Calgary, Holy by Mitchell can work with them. And he, of course, works with them with the best. And the best that have been in the Canadian Football League. A Hall of Famer already. A winning percentage. The envy of any player that has been under center in the Canadian Football League. Is there a general manager in the Canadian Football League with more experience? Nope. Especially now since That guy in B.C. is gone. The Calgary Stampeders are the team to beat. And it seems to me this is like, for those of you that know what a record is, a record album. It's a tune that keeps skipping. Champ, 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 champ. And they continue to be the champ. Now, as far as the season is concerned, and they haven't had as much success winning the big game. But they did it last year to the relief. You know, not the joy of the Calgary Stampeder fans, but to the relief of the Calgary Stampeder fans. They are an organization the envy of the other eight cities in the Canadian Football League. There has not been, and there may not be, to a smaller degree, the Ottawa Red Blacks, especially from a standing start, are comparable, but still not the Calgary Stampeders. And folks, earlier, I made the statement about Mike Riley, not making the playoffs last year. Not only was it an an enigma, it was an anomaly. And it was something that just doesn't happen. You know that saying? He's the exception, 
last year, Mike Riley's not making the playoffs is the exception to the rule that a great quarterback is necessary to win the big game in the Canadian Football League. Bo Levi Mitchell wears that well. And uh, I posted some pictures of he and his family, cute daughter, uh, at the Great Cup. Uh, this is what celebrating is all about. He had some decisions to make. Was he? Would he? Did he? Decide to go to the NFL. Well, Bo Levi Mitchell made the decision that many Canadian Football League players make every year. Those that come back from the NFL, those that decide not to go to the NFL. The most important quality that a Canadian Football League player has is his love to play the game. And if you doubt that, if you're paying attention, there are numerous, many, an abundance of Canadian Football League players that would rather play in the Canadian Football League for less money than play in the NFL for more. Which speaks to the Canadian Football League players. And what their makeup is, what they're made of. Who are they? What are they? Here's who they are. Here's what they are. They love to play a game, a game that is not kind to their bodies, a game in many cases, if not most, is not kind to their wallet. But they love the game. They love the grind. They love the challenge. And they can't wait. Whoever that is calling, leave me alone. No, just kidding. Um, they love the challenge. And more than anything, it's something that I think we all respect and we we all appreciate. I know I do. And make no mistake, the players know that the Canadian Football League has X amount of assets, has X amount of ability to pay them, Limited financial resources. Almost as limited as there are jobs. That is why one has to respect the fact, whether it's to the credit of the CFLPA, whether it's to the credit of the commissioner himself and his team, or even the agents around the league that have not made a giant stir 
about the new CBA. For those of us that love the Canadian Football League and look forward to the games that are being played, beginning last week, continuing this week, and carrying on till the last Sunday in November. It is with pleasure, pride, and gratitude that all us CFL fans say thank you for signing the CBA. Thank you for not making it last any longer, that being the doubt that there would be a season. Thank you for coming to camp on time. And the biggest thank you is thank you that you're grateful enough to sign the CBA. And for the owners, thank you for offering something that was worth signing for the players. So we talked about the teams and how they looked and how they might look. I promised I wouldn't get into specifics at this time because really with a hundred players in camp at every team, I don't really want to discuss each nauseating move that was made because I feel it's more important that I share my opinion for those of you that don't follow it as closely as you want. I'm here to help you get a grasp of how things will play out. I won't go as far as saying educate you, but I will say sharing my opinion from the perspective of the fans. I love the GMs, I love the coaches, and I love the players. But no more than I love the fans in the Canadian Football League. And I look forward to visiting you fans in Hamilton, where I'll personally have a chance to go. In Ottawa, where I've been before and would like to go again. Montreal, where I've been and like to go again. Of course, in Toronto. In Saskatchewan, in Edmonton, where I've been recently. I still have to make it to Calgary, BC. Haven't done that. Winnipeg, haven't done that. But as a Canadian Football League fan, the biggest thing that I look forward to is meeting up with the rest of the fans. As much as I love the coaches, the GMs, the players, I love getting together with the other Canadian Football League fans. And this year, once again, Canadian Football League fans will be getting together in Atlantic Canada. And who, I ask, who is not looking forward to that? Spending time with our friends in Atlantic Canada, who have clearly, over the years, for decades now, at the Grey Cup Festival, established that they belong in the Canadian Football League family. And not only do they belong, they might even be the head table already. Because if you've been to a Grey Cup Festival, and you haven't had a Moosehead beer, Or a schooner. You don't know what you're missing. Mike couldn't make it tonight, I guess. But one thing I can tell you, Mike and Mike will be going to the Grey Cup, our friendly American Detroiter that loves the Canadian Football League. He'll be there. He'll be joined by his brother, Dante, 
I'll be there. And I know a lot of you who I've seen repeatedly at Grey Cups will be there as well. So the season begins at a time when we're all hopeful. And in some cases, with bated breath. And in other cases, with a tinge of fear of the season that's coming up. But always, always looking forward to the opportunity to yell, Argos suck from the cup. Or whatever, (laughs) whatever loud, obnoxious behavior in good fun that you want to make. Enjoy this CFL season, my friends. 2019 is upon us. The Grey Cup will be in Calgary. The defending Grey Cup champs will be the home of the Grey Cup this year. And for all of us, I say this. Thank you, Canadian Football League. Thank you for being the game that we love to follow. And thank you for making it a party and a place to be for the many. What a segue. How's it going? Oh, am I on right now? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Hey, it's going pretty well. I just actually got back from dinner from Earl's with a few of the specialists and just kind of dialing in for uh, tomorrow morning. We'll kind of All right. get used to that time, but yeah, yeah, just get ready for that. Your timing is impeccable because I just wound up everything I wanted to talk about and was ready to say good night. If you had waited another five seconds, Zach, we're on the line yeah. with Zach Medeiros, who's trying out for the Toronto Argonauts, uh, well-traveled kicker. As he yep. just said, he, yep. he was out having dinner at Earl's with uh, some other specialists. I joked about you being a specialist. I said, uh, Zach told me he was special. And I said, I, I, I get it. It's good to be special. It's so, great to be special. <laughs> so tell me, Zach. Okay. Well, uh, great time for you to come in. Really, it is. I, I, I've got time for you, of course. Always have time for you. Always have time for football fans. And definitely have time for football players. First of all, I guess so that people get to know you're going to be on here from time to time. And, and I'll tell you what, I'll ask you first, um, what do you, what would do you, what are you looking forward to this season to share with the fans on the air here on uh, CFL talk? Well, the biggest thing, right. I think it's just, uh, you know, getting off to the right, to the right start. Right. I mean, I wasn't here really on last year. Like, I came in week six. So, and I think at that point, Toronto was one in five. So, I think the biggest thing I want to get back to fans and, you know, to the city in general um, is just getting off to, like, a, you know, a good start in the East, obviously, right? We know over the, past, the course of the past few seasons, um, you know, if you're an 8-10 to 10 win team, you're you're pretty much going to be in a, in a playoff spot in the East anyway. So, But I, I think we're obviously much better than that. I think we can go above that. Um, so, yeah, just getting off the hot start, and I think we have the team that's more than capable of doing that. If you look, obviously, down the roster and um, – you know, the free agent signings we had in the off season. Um, it's a very exciting time to be a fan of the Toronto Argonauts. And I guess for me and the other guys on the team, it's, it's a great, you know, it's, it's an awesome time to be a part of it. So 
I'm looking forward to it. And the journey kind of starts tomorrow at uh, 11 a.m. at U of T against Montreal OS. Yeah, and I'll be there. Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> there we go. Are you are you are you starting? Um. So the way we have it split up, um, Ronnie and myself will be ro- rotating through the punt reps throughout the entire game. Um, and as far as kicking, um, the other kickers, I'm not sure how long that's going to rotate, but uh, they'll be going through each reps as well between the three of them. But um, the punting game will be between Ronnie and myself tomorrow. Share with share with us, um, you know, uh, it, having a player who's actually trying out for the team and actually has been on other teams. Some may suggest, oh, it'd be really, hey, why don't you ask him some questions that can get him in trouble? Well, folks, you're going to be disappointed because that's not what I'm going to do. What we're what we're going to do uh, with with Zach is is we're going to we're going to take a look at the inside of what of his head and what it's like to be a football player and and training camp. In the off season, Zach, you know, you don't really know, or do you even care about who you're up against? You know what, Frank? If you asked me that that question when I was first coming in, in the league, or maybe at you know year two, I would say yes. But I mean, shoot, when time goes by, I mean, this is just you know another day at the office for us. I mean, we, we I feel like training camps a lot harder than it is in games. Like they they think of multiple scenarios to put you in throughout practice when the whole team is just yelling at you, you know, that they want to put you in the pressure trigger as much as they can. So, and in a way it's great because, you know, when it come game time, it feels easy. You know what I mean? It feels like the game slowed down the training camp. There's live bullets everywhere, right? Between the O and D and special teams, you know, you have to have your head almost on a swivel at times because it just goes by so fast. And there's so many things going on, especially when you have like almost a hundred guys at camp. Um, but I think right now my career is just honestly just fine-tuning certain things. And honestly, I, I look forward to games. It's not it's not really much nerves now. It's just more, you know, we have a job to do. Business. I'm just going to do it. And Exactly. Just, just taking care of business. And especially after last year, the way we ended, I think it just left all of us from last year who are still a part of this team. Um, just that sour taste in our mouths. And I'm sure, including yourself, you, you felt that too. Um so yeah, we're, we're we're all just looking forward to get back the game back out there and just taking care of business and again starts with Montreal. As a kicker, yeah, since you're on here and I'm thinking to myself, what good questions could I ask Zach that he could put himself in and or you know understand or, or help us to understand? I think it was the Bears in the playoffs. Was it three kicks off the goalpost? Oh, yeah. Well, I think throughout the course of Cody Parkey's season for the Bears, I think there was one game in the season where he had, like, four uprights and then, oh, you, oh are, you, are you talking about the kick where he hit the upright and then the crossword came out? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, well, he what had a way to lose the like playoff that. game. Yeah, that's a stinky feeling. Well, listen, I've been there. I mean, I had a kick against, I mean, it didn't quite end up like that, but it's, you know, a miss is a miss, and, you know, you never want to be the guy to lose that game, especially on a kicker. I mean, it's just a it's a horrible sinking feeling that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. So, um, yeah, it sucks. I mean, I was there last year, and I remember vividly against the Sass when I had a chance to win it going into a, a, like a bit of a breeze from 52 yards out, and it's still left. And, you know, I, we have a great team, right? I'm sure the, the Bears are the same way. I mean, when you go back to the locker room, you know, the guys are the first ones that come out to me like, hey, don't worry about it. But 
as a kicker, as a specialist, you know, in the back of the head, in your head, you know that, you know, you let the team down, right? It came down to you. And everyone, you know, every kicker at least should want the – they want the opportunity to have the game on their foot. You know what I mean? They, they want to have the chance to bail the guys out when, when the game's on the line, right? That, that's what separates the grade from the elite kickers, I believe. So, um, geez, I hope that answered your uh, question there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, it answered the question. But, you uh, answered, For a kicker – I guess the point uh, that the, the next thing I'm going to say is, and this is more of an opinion than a question, uh, for yeah. a kicker, the game comes down to the focus to the end of his foot. I know about mechanics. I know that you know that you use more of your body, whatever. But it really is, you know, mentally draining and a mental challenge more than almost any other position on the team. For the kicker, because the focus is strictly on what you have to accomplish. Now I know you have to watch out for other players, but it's not the same as as for other players who are, immediate contract is normal. Tell yeah. us about the ability to focus and how important that is as a kicker. Well, and this is something I actually uh, tell to guys I can coach during the off season is that you you can lift as many weights as you can. Obviously, that's important. You want to get stronger. You, you want to get faster. Um, but I would say wait for kicking anyways. I would say it's probably 15% of that stuff, technique, weight, weight training is crucial. But I would say the other 85 is, is, is mental. Has to be. Because, I mean, you can have the strongest leg in the world, and guys like that are, are like a dime a dozen in the league. You have a lot of guys like that on the street who have the strongest leg, stronger than me, Ronnie, whoever you want to name. But, I mean, if you're not dialed in and focused, I mean, you're not going to have a job very long in, in, in the CFL or NFL or probably any pro league at that, right? So, um, and I feel like that was something I actually kind of struggled with my first couple of years. You know, I, I came in, I think teams already knew that I had a pretty heavy leg on me, but the mental part was something I had to, you know, really um, partake in by year three and four because I knew, hey, like, if I want to, you know, if I want to stay on a roster for a long period of time, you know, you know, obviously I have to, you know, dial in and make important kicks, right? It's not just preseason anymore. You know, when you're actually on a team throughout the, the entire course of the year, you know, there's going to come a time where, you know, your your team's kind of buying whether they need, like, a big punt to kind of flip the field and get the, the defense on a good field or if they need you to make a big kick to force overtime or to even win the game. Um, and it's funny you bring that up because I didn't really know that until I ran to Sean Sweezum a couple of years back and he told me just things he kind of focused on. And um, I kind of, kind of took that in my game. So, I mean, if, if there's a lot of good things going on in, in, in the side of whether it's like a touchdown or, a, you know, an interception for the, the defense or whatever the case may be, if you look at me and probably like a lot of kickers in the league, you won't see any like emotions or like us getting that happy. But like we're happy, obviously, but we're, we're, we're trying to keep that even keel um, attitude, right? Because we don't want to let like, the highs get too high, the lows get too low because there's lots of times where specialists will get fired up over a play and it's not even nerves, it's just that they're, they're so excited that they, they can't slow down their heart rate and they have to realize, okay, like, I need to take a couple breaths, you know, because then they, they might rush through their like steps as they're hitting the field goal or a punt and it might be a shank and come off like the side of their foot, right? So just kind of take the, everything in, in, in stride as the course of the game goes on, just realize, hey, you know what? I have my, my job to do. I'm obviously happy that our, our team's playing points or creating turnovers on, on defense. But at the same time, like for me anyways, I know that if I get too excited, you know, that could be a difference of hitting a, you know, 
a, a really smooth ball or, you know, just rushing through my whole process. And that's not what I want to do. Right. I want to be as relaxed as, as, as possible when I'm on the field. So. The other focus is time. You don't have much time to accomplish a goal or fail. Mm-hmm. By virtue of what you do, <laughs> you know, it's, yep. it's Ike, the ball's in the holder's hands and away it goes or hike and you, you catch the ball and now you got to kick it. It, a lot of a, a, a lot of you know, a lot of what you do has to be done in such a short time span. Absolutely, you know, and the way we we also do that too. I mean, last year when I first came in Toronto, I think it was week six or seven, I believe it was a game against Ottawa. But anyway, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to get get used to that, that whole process, right? So when I first came in, I had to get used. To, you know, I, I worked with Jake in the past because I was in Toronto for preseason back in 2016, but. I'd never worked with Mac in my life for holding. So I remember the first two practices, it was, it was like you said, it was all about time and just getting the reps down. And I'd say within that first day or two, we easily got over 150, like 200 reps of just snap hold. And obviously he had to hold the ball the way I, I liked it and I prefer it before I kick it. So, and just getting the whole timing down, um, you know, because usually you obviously take that timing in when you're in training camp, you have two weeks to do that. I mean, when, when I came in, I had two days to do that before we had a game. So we had to kind of like breeze through that and get, you know, I remember that. bring me up to speed. Exactly. So it was good. I mean, you know, we're obviously we're very fortunate with the guys we have on our team. I mean, whenever you come into a situation like that I mean I didn't really have to ask much for Mac like he was already like a great holder and Drake's a great long snapper obviously so for me you know it's just up to me obviously right they make my job a lot easier where I just have to keep my my technique and focus like you said and timing and just split the uprights complete the names of the guys you're talking about aside from Ronnie Pfeffer that I'm in competition with yeah no and the guys who are holding the ball for you Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, so the guy's holding for us. So we got Mac, McLeod, Bethel, Thompson, number 14, your trial Argonauts. Yep. Um, he was our holder. Um, I also worked with Jimmy Ralph. He is the wideout for our team. Um, who else have I worked with? I worked with Dakota, a little bit too, Prukop, another QB in our team. And that's about it. You, you, do you get uh, to develop uh, a relationship even, I guess, because what people may or may not know if they don't go to practice is that long after everybody has left the field, you guys are still there, and you're actually doing your the lion's share of your work after practice is over, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Sorry, is that uh, a good time for you guys? Uh, no, and, yeah, and is, is, that, is that a time when you get a chance to bond with the guys? Oh, yeah, and I mean... Well, especially for a specialist too, right? So our our group that we have right now, obviously there's five of us plus two long snappers. But I'd say we're a pretty tight group right now just because obviously we're spending so much time together, right? And I mean, you know, we can only get so many kicks in. You know, you know I mean, you've been to enough practice and any football fan knows that kickers and punters and long snappers, you know, we have most of the practice off for the most part. I mean, we obviously get our work in either pre-practice or after practice. And then obviously team reps during um, team practice will fill in, but uh, other than that time, we're, we're on the sideline stretching all as one one unit, and 
you know, we're not just going to not say anything and be mute. So Ronnie's like, hey, what's going on? Like, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I've known Ronnie for a few years now, so we've, we've already established a good relationship. But, you know, as far as guys like Donald and Ty, um, Drew as well. Drew was here a bit last year as well, so I renew him. But uh, you just take that, you know, whatever it's been now, almost two weeks with those guys. And, you know, aside from football, you, you get to know, know these guys on a personal level. So right now, obviously, we're all pretty tight. We're all good friends. And I think that definitely play, plays a part in it too. You know, I mean, especially with Mac as well, like you obviously want to have guys who are holding the ball who actually care about it. And he's one of the first guys out, you know, pre-game, like, hey, you know, let's get – get these holdings right now like he 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 really cares about the art of holding which is rare to find in holdings by the way i mean you don't really find that too often i mean trying to find a qb to do that sometimes it feels like a drag but i mean when you find someone who cares about it as much as he does it's nice to have that going for you as well um but as far as i said as far as the specialists go like the camaraderie in our, in our, in our group is just exceptional and uh you know, unfortunately, it won't be the five of us going into the season. Um, that's just the way it is. That's that's nature of the of the business. But uh, for the time being, it, it's been a great time, and whatever happens, happens. But I know right now, I, I've been enjoying it. So, Mac has it appears to me like he's lost a significant amount of weight. Yeah, he looks good, doesn't he? Yeah, he's much sleeker than he was last year. Yeah. Tails yeah, out of school, any, uh, any, how difficult was it, was it for him to do that? Did you guys talk about that? Did you notice and say, hey, what the um, heck? I noticed it a little bit. Um, I didn't really get into it that much, but he just told me that uh, he kind of changed up his training regimen this off season when he went back home. Um, and yeah, I mean, it seemed to pay off. I mean, last year he was already, he was already pretty uh, fit. I see, but I, I, I see what you're saying. He was he seemed a bit more bulkier last season than he is now. But you just see him like the plays he making during training. It's like holy cow! It's like some plays maybe he wasn't able to make last year, right? And yeah, he seems more definitely more elusive and mobile on the run. So yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited with the guys we have. So yeah, but he he just wanted pieces of the puzzle, but he's a big piece and he looks great out there. Well, he de- he definitely is, and and I think that's. Uh... I think that's something uh, that he was aware of that he needed to do. I, I do believe that that's one of the changes that's going to happen uh, as a policy at quarterback with the Canadian Football League's Toronto Argonauts. Uh, they're looking for a little more mobility under center, and uh, I think that's why he's done it. And uh, he looks more like Franklin, and, and Franklin's strength is that mobility and that good arm, and so does Mac. Mac has a great arm as well, and uh, the mobility part, uh, is probably a little heightened now by his being a little more sleek and a little less weight to carry around and good for him. Um, it, it is something that, that we see, you know, we see that that's uh, what the, is the desire of the, of, of the Argonauts, but talking to you about uh, the off season, um, a little bit about what do you like to do in the off season? You can't, you can't always be doing football. What do you do to to relax and or what does Zach Medeiros do that Zach likes to do other than football? What do I like to do other than football? Well, I like to coach. I like to give back. Um, so that's what I do during the off season. I, I coach aspiring specialists who are kickers and punters, just like myself at one, at one point in time. Um, so that fills in for a lot of my time as well. Um, spending time with friends and family, also, my girlfriend, 
Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I love to train as well. Um, I also personal train some guys during the off season. Um, I love to fish also. So I like to travel. I like to get in the wild a little bit in the nature just to kind of clear my head. Um, so that's the case with a lot of specialists. We're like kind of weird in that regard, just kind of like being by ourselves, having our own time. But I feel like things like fishing and going for walks, you know, reading, um, even driving, honestly, I mean, a lot of people might not agree with that, but for whatever reason, driving does, doesn't really bother me that much. But I feel like for me, it's just like along with fishing kind of decompresses me a little bit. Um, just kind of keeps my mind off of things. Um, but yeah, just things like that. Nothing too crazy, but yeah, I'd say more, mainly just training and coaching, um, fishing whenever I can, whether the, you know, whatever the weather, weather is nice, because obviously the winter here up north, uh, wasn't that cold this year, but, uh, I mean, it would have been nice out west to go a little ice fishing, but now that the weather's starting to turn around a little bit and summer's upon us, I'm going to have to hit a few lakes during the season and find a couple spots to fish and kind of relax a little bit and enjoy some time off. Northern Ontario is good for that. Um, I know you also like watching other sports. You didn't mention that. Uh, and I'll, I want to ask you a question. NBA final company team or the other team, which do you think? Oh no, I won't ask you which you think you'll win. I don't want to put you in that hard spot <laughs> considering you both work for the same company. Um, oh, come on, I mean, well, if, Raptors, if, obviously. if the Raptors win, why will they win? Oh man, I think, well, I can give you one name and I think we all know who that name is. Um, but collectively as, as a group, I think the, the biggest issue with the Raptors, I mean, I'm not a huge basketball guy by any means, but defense was a big reason for them and the uh, reason why they didn't advance in the past few years. And that's part of the reason why they got rid of DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. Um, but I think just, you know, watching this past, you know, playoffs in general, I think just the whole unit we're working as one, well, not putting too much of the work on Kawhi and Kyle Lowry and those guys, um, they all need to play their role, right? You can't all be that one superstar on the team. Everyone has to fill in with whatever the role is and just work collectively as a team. And I think, you know, if they can keep that up, I don't, I don't see why, why, why not? Why are they able to win the finals? I mean, I assume, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to assume that they're obviously the, you know, the, the underdog by a lot. You know, Golden State's been there, done that. Absolutely. Right? But, I mean, they're also the underdog against Milwaukee, right? They're down to nothing and they, they, they roared back and won four straight. So, it's been done. I don't see why they, they haven't been able to do it. You know, I'm, I'm a huge Flyers fan, by the way. And the, back in 2010, when they went to the Cup final, they were down three nothing against the Boston Bruins, and they came back one four straight. No, no one expected that. So, why why can't the Raptors be that team? So, agree. I, I can see it happening. Well, I I happen to agree with you, and uh, the theory that the Raptors prove and, and make important, just as in you know, in football and, and as a specialist like you are, if defense stops the team from scoring, you don't need to do much scoring. So a field goal alone can win, you know, a field goal becomes that much more important uh, as far as the game is concerned and, uh, you know, getting that ultimate goal, which is the win. Absolutely. You know, and the Raptors, it's just, it's just go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say the the Raptors it's all about defense. You know, when you get to, when you get to this point in the season, when you get to the playoffs, I I don't think you're playing teams that don't have an offense. 
but what you are doing are playing teams who may not have as good a defense as you do. And as much as, you know, dunks and three-point shots are awesome, which they are, stopping the other team has a twofold effect. It stops them from scoring, and it assists in them losing confidence, which essentially mm-hmm. is the definition of why the Raptors are in the final. Uh, in each playoff matchup, that's what they did. They eroded the confidence of the opposition. And and sometimes, uh, as we both, I guess, agree, defense does that. And, and you know, there's, there's the saying in sports that offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. And I think this NBA team, the Toronto Raptors, speaks to that. And, um, oh, and oh, we'll see, though. Right. We'll see, though, if, if it's good enough against a team that scores, it seems, at will. Well, the thing is, too, you know, it's and, yeah, it's interesting because you uh, said confidence. And I think, I don't know if it was two years ago or last year when they, they played against Cleveland. And I thought that year, collectively, they actually had a better team than Cleveland. But since LeBron was on that team, I felt like they were kind of overwhelmed by that. And I thought if they just would have played the way they did during the actual season, they would have got rid of that. I think they, they would have beat Cleveland in five or six, honestly. But I, the same thing. They, they just need that confidence. Now that's Golden State, you know, have the same mindset, have the same confidence. Hey, like, we've gone this far. We've beaten some good teams to get to this point. It's just Golden State. You know, yes, they have some great players, but so do they. Right? And look where they are. So as long as they get that confidence, that mindset, the defense, and again, just every player playing their role and just working collectively as a group, I think they'll be all right. I don't see why they can't win. And they also have home court advantage, which helps. Yes. And, and also a key to a championship team is experience. Playoff experience, mm-hmm. final experience, very yeah. important. There's no more, there's no more uh, excuses, right? Kawhi's been there in the playoffs. All those guys from the Raptors, like they have most of those guys still. They they've all had playoff experience, right? So you, there's no more of that. Oh well, they haven't gone this far. They they don't know what it feels like. It's a different atmosphere. You know, the play's different. It's like nope, they've already been there now, right? There's no excuses. Sure, it might be the first time that a lot of those guys have been in the final, but I mean. That doesn't get you psyched up. I mean, and you shouldn't be there, right? So just keep that confidence, and they're only four wins away from winning it. So that's the way that they have to approach it, just one game at a time. That's all they need to do. You were yeah. talking about your Flyers. Um, you have to be happy with the, the coaching hires, the tandem that they I hired. I love the coaching hires. Pretty good group. Yeah. Pretty good French connection. French connection, yeah. Alan Vigneault and uh, Michelle Therrien. I mean, you look at some teams they had in the past, Jeez, um, remarkable. I was not expecting that. Well, the one that kind of threw me off guard is that Michelle Tyrion as the assistant coach. I feel like a coach like him kind of needs to be the head guy, but I'm going to assume that him and Alain are a very tight. They have a tight relationship, so obviously they have that sorted out. Um, but just having Alain as the head coach, yeah, that, that's huge, right? I mean, I, that, that's a move um, the Flyers have been, you know, needing to make for a while now. Even though Scott Gordon, their HL coach, came in and he did an admiral job towards the end of the year, I'm, I wasn't. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were going to offer him a, a new deal to be the Flyers' bench box going into this year as well. But you can tell with, with those moves, they kind of want to, you know, change things around in the locker room and change the atmosphere, which they kind of need to do because 
you know, uh, me as a Flyers fan, and I, I'm going to probably speak to a lot of Flyers fans out there that, you know, we haven't been enjoying the way that they've been playing hockey over the past little while. I mean, when we think of the Philadelphia Flyers as an organization, you think of that grit, you think of those players going in for those dirty four checks, you know, just, you know what I mean? Those, those pests on the yeah. ice. And their mascot. I mean? And their mascot. Oh, gritty, of course. How can I leave gritty out of this? Of course. But Flyers, whenever you think of them, you, you just simply think grit. You think they're, they're, they're going to dig deep. It's not going to be pretty, but they're going to, you know, somehow pull this out. Right. That's, that's been their, geez, that's, that's been like the aroma around the locker room for years. And I feel like the past couple of years, I, I feel like they've gone away from that a little bit. They, they still have some quality players. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, obviously we can get into the whole goaltending issue. Cause that's been a thing since Ron Hextall. I feel like they haven't found a guy back there for a while, but it's been tough to goal for now, the flyers for sure. Oh, it's been a while, but we have a good one now. Hopefully in Carter Hart. I mean, they, they put a lot on his plate last year filling in for how many games it was, maybe close to 30 as a 20-year-old. But they had to because they also set the league record and eight goalies, which will never happen again, I don't think. Well, they, they broke a record for goalies, starting Played, goalies. Dressed. Yeah, eight goalies in one season. <laughs> that, well, it, 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 is something, it is something to behold, let me tell you. So let's remind the folks, uh, for those that are listening and live in the Toronto area or close by, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, Zach Medeiros and company, the Toronto Argonauts, will be hosting the Montreal Alouettes, a team that was up and coming last year, a a little bit of revenge required by your team. Uh, They were handled easily by Montreal at the end of the season last year. In fact, Montreal hopped right past you guys uh, into a higher position, fourth, in the Eastern Division, leaving you guys for the first round draft pick in the Canadian uh, draft. Um, look forward to seeing you there and, and look forward to enjoying the game. It's a special opportunity for students to go check out the game. So if you know a student, take them along. Yep. Be there. It's going to be a great time. Thanks, Zach. Zach Madero's Toronto right. Argonaut. He's very special. That's why he's a specialist. He's a kicker. He gets his yeah. kicks out of being special. Um, thank you, Zach Medeiros, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you again uh, next week, hopefully. And uh, we'll see what uh, else yeah. we can do. And maybe you can drag one of your friends along and we can uh, add to the conversation, if that's possible, just to make it oh, a little yeah. bit. I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll get Jake and Ryan. Surprise will be down there. Do surprise this. me. I'll surprise, surprise you. I'll surprise the fans. Thank you for thank you for joining us. Zach Maderos, I'm Candid Frank. Thank you for tuning into the program. This concludes another opportunity for CFL Talk. Until next time, thank you for tuning in tonight.